Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about some of the most common causes for hearing loss and how you can protect your ears from them from author David Owen. You'll also learn about how woolly mammoth DNA has given us new insight into what made them go extinct. Let's satisfy some curiosity. You're never too young to start protecting your ears. And you're about to learn some tips for protecting yourself from hearing loss. Our guest is David Owen, author of the new book, Volume Control, Hearing in a Deafening World. You can hear the first part of our conversation on last Wednesday's episode of Curiosity Daily, and I'll put a link to that in today's show notes in case you missed it. And now, part two. We want to protect our ears, but I'm not going to walk around with earplugs in all the time, right? So, like, what's the number one cause of of hearing loss, and, and when is it most important to safeguard your hearing? Well, it's definitely the the loudest sounds that we're exposed to. There are also other causes of hearing loss. There are people who lose, you know, for genetic reasons, or they had the they had a disease, uh, a, a viral disease that harmed their hearing. I have two friends who lost hearing because of a chemotherapy drug that they were taking, which is known to, to be what's called ototoxic, which means it can be toxic to hearing. So there, there, there are many causes, but the, the main cause of what's called sensorineural hearing loss, the, the co- commonest kind of hearing loss, is uh, exposure to loud sound and over a course of a lifetime. So the, the sounds to worry the most about are the loudest, most sustained ones. There are people who work in industries where they are exposed to sound like that all the time. In theory, there are some government protections that have been since the 70s. There are requirements for people who work in covered industries. Um, but the rules are applied sort of haphazardly, not universally. And it, there's now increasing doubt that they are anywhere close to strict enough. I think that if I worked in just about any kind of mechanical job, hammering nails, uh, using power tools, using a chainsaw, cutting, cutting lawns, using a leaf blower, uh, working with machinery of almost any kind, I would wear, want to be wearing some kind of hearing protection. My wife's hairdresser, uh, who's not all that old, but he recently got uh, bilateral hearing aids, hearing aids on both sides, for hearing loss caused by just uh, his occupational exposure to blow dryers. I was just watching a, a, an NFL game, and the commentators were talking about how uh, enthusiastic the crowd was, and they, they had a decibel reading that was well above the level uh, that can cause hearing damage in people. And, you know, it, they were just, they thought it was cool that everybody was so enthusiastic and that, uh, that the, the players couldn't hear the signals called by the quarterback. But it was like it, intentionally stepping into an environment that could cause permanent uh, lifelong uh, hearing loss. Um, so there are a, a lot of sounds. And I think it's, we, we aren't sure yet exactly how loud uh, sounds have to be to cause damage, and it's different from individual to individual. But if you if you value your hearing, as you should, uh, you should probably you know make the mistake on the side of being overprotective rather than being careless. So I live right next to the L in Chicago, and there's an elevated track. I mean, right outside my apartment, basically. It's fine when I'm inside. Sure, I've got thick windows, but when I'm walking under that and the train goes by, it's super loud. Should I be plugging my ears every time that happens? Because it feels uncool to do, I guess. No, it does feel like cool. And I know I always made fun of my wife because she would, for years, when she was using a food processor in the kitchen, she would put in earplugs. And I thought that was just crazy. But now I think it was really smart. I think that nowadays, when everybody has something sticking out of their ears, it's easy. Like if you're walking to work to uh, wear some kind of noise cancellation, something or some kind of protection, 
musician's earplugs, uh, so-called, are really handy. They come in a full range of prices, but you can get very inexpensive ones, you know, just for like $15 from Amazon. And the, what's special about them is that they take down all the frequencies more or less evenly rather than just, you know, so, so music sounds the same, but quieter rather than simply taking down uh, or, or favoring the high frequencies or the low frequencies or something like that. So I don't think it would be crazy at all to do that, to wear that on, on the way, you know, as you walk past those elevated tracks. There was a kind of an inadvertent study that was done in New York City in the 1970s. There was this uh, an elementary school about 200 feet from an elevated train track. And the teachers on that side of the building, on the track side of the building, had to every four or five minutes, they had to stop teaching for 30 seconds because no, the kids couldn't hear them. And then when the train was gone, they had to regain all the kids' attention. And it turned out that kids on that side of the building were a full year delayed in reading comprehension in comparison with kids in classrooms on the other side of the building. Uh, and they were able to make that difference go away by doing some sound attenuation modifications to the tracks and to the school itself. So, you know, these things are worth taking care of. Again, David Owen is the author of the new book, Volume Control, Hearing in a Deafening World. You can find a link to pick up the book in today's show notes. And next week, he'll be back to talk about what to do once your hearing does start to go away, including what technology we have to help. There used to be a ton of woolly mammoths on Earth but the last 12,000 years were pretty rough on them. What you might not know is that even after most of them died out, a few populations hung around for another several thousand years, like after humans had invented writing. The woolly mammoth eventually went extinct, and thanks to recent DNA analysis, we have new insight into what finally killed them. Most woolly mammoths died at the end of the Pleistocene, around 12,000 years ago. At that point, Climate change made life impossibly difficult for lots of big animals that had evolved to live in cold, dry climates. But there were two small islands between modern-day Russia and Alaska where these ancient behemoths managed to survive. After all of their brethren had disappeared, the mammoths on St. Paul Island and Wrangell Island persisted for thousands of more years. Humans were spreading across the globe, inventing writing, and building the first pyramids, and these last remaining woolly mammoths were still holding down the fort. Rising sea levels killed off the St. Paul Island herd about 5,600 years ago, leaving only the Wrangell Island herd. With only about 400 individuals, that population managed to survive for another 1,600 years. Now, researchers have figured out, pretty much, what happened to those last surviving mammoths? Scientists have already analyzed a lot of mammoth DNA, so it was fairly simple for these researchers to compare the genomes of Wrangell Island mammoths to those of two other mammoths and three modern Asian elephants. The DNA of these other species is similar enough for the researchers to spot anything weird about the Wrangell Island mammoths. It turns out that thousands of years of inbreeding can have extinction-level consequences, the researchers found a ton of unusual mutations in the Wrangell Island mammoth genome. Some of the mutations probably caused problems with neurological development, male fertility, insulin signaling, and even their sense of smell. One of the researchers said that the Wrangell Island mammoths were probably, quote, unable to smell the flowers that they ate, end quote. As distant relatives were forced to breed to keep the population going, detrimental mutations kept accumulating. The researchers are pretty sure that some of the mutations prevented a lot of males from producing functional sperm, which made the breeding population dwindle even more. 
Even though we can't pinpoint what happened to the very last individual, this study makes a strong case that woolly mammoths finally went extinct because, in the end, there just weren't enough of them. Let's review what we learned today with a quick recap. Well, just like I mentioned last week, you don't need to worry about looking uncool when you're protecting your ears. Your hearing is more important than what everyone else thinks. And if you get musicians' earplugs, you can protect your ears while taking down all frequencies equally so the sound won't be muffled. So last week you said you have musicians' earplugs on your keychain. What? Like, you don't put your keychain in your ear. Are they in, like, a baggie? It's a case. It's like a case. It's a small silicone case. It's a little bit smaller than, like, what people keep AirPods in. Okay. Yeah. And it has a little chain that attaches to my keychain. So it's always there. It's like... It's a medium-sized keychain, I would say. A, a medium-sized keychain. I mean, it's bigger than, like, a bottle opener, but it is smaller than a flashlight. <laughs> like a, like a keychain flashlight. Okay. All right. I'm with you. We're good. Yeah, I got to get some. Do you want me to get my... Like, do you want me to show you what nope. it is? No? Mm-mm. All right. Fine. Theater of the mind. <laughs> I like to imagine yeah, what they look like. you can... Everyone listening is doing theater of the mind. You don't have to. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you know, solidarity. Solidarity with our audience. All right. Yeah. And I learned that woolly mammoths finally died out because they only existed on a couple of islands, which resulted in inbreeding. And that caused mutations that eventually led to them all dying out. They were like old-timey royalty. They just kept marrying their cousins. And that's not good for anyone's gene pool. Maybe woolly mammoths should have been the sigil of the Targaryens. Although, you know, they've already got dragons. Yeah. Who, who, who would switch from a dragon to a woolly mammoth? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I would not. Today's last story was written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.